Well, may we say, God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor-General. You know I've searched my heart to prove There's better ways to push and pull Hey, whatever gets you through these days Hello and welcome to Well May We Say, a progressive podcast about Australian politics. This is episode 68 for Friday 19th of October 2018. I'm Jeremy Sear and each week I'll be joined by a different guest host to help me discuss what's just been happening to our country, what's likely to happen next and hopefully what we can do about it. Tonight's guest host is Brandon Selleck. Welcome back, Brandon. Thank you. Nice to be here. It's good to have you back. It's been a little while. Mm. This week... Well, you know what? I'm going to actually start by summarising what we're going to be covering in this episode because I just I feel like it'll, it'll, everybody everybody can sort of see what's going to be ca- be covered. Uh, if you have any areas you don't want to listen to, because you know a lot of what's happening in Australian politics is depressing, you've got the timestamps which you can click on uh, in your podcast app. But yeah, so this week we're going to be covering a special week for the Liberals of showing off their incompetence, including voting for Hanson's white power motion, uh, the new environment <laughs> minister Melissa Price mocking the former president of Kiribati, basically saying that Pacific Islanders are just there for the cash, uh, Scott Morrison's easy to misquote uh, references to science being about belief uh, and the Nationals trying to bring back Barnaby Joyce. So they've had a special week of that. They've also had a special week of doing everything that they can possibly think of, of setting themselves up for Saturday's by-election in Wentworth, including screwing up Australia's bipartisan approach to Israel and Palestine and not taking actions that massively throw in our lot with one side or the other. I mean, Australia has been long biased towards Israel Israel in it, and we've seen that when uh, Israeli prime ministers have, have arrived, as opposed to the reception that Palestinians get. But at least things like uh, sticking with the rest of the world and not being outliers by moving the embassy to follow Trump, that's been something that Australia has generally been uh, sensible about. But no, apparently if there's a by-election coming up, the Liberals will throw whatever in there, pissing off Indonesia and all sorts of other things. We've had some more details of the Ruddock Review, where it was confirmed that it wasn't really about religious freedom at all, because the Ruddock Review sets out clearly, here are all the months, here are the things that you should not be able to discriminate against. You shouldn't be able to, no matter what your religious belief is, you shouldn't be able to discriminate on race and and um, and gender and those things. The, here is a list of things. These should definitely uh, be taken away from religions as rights to discriminate. On the other hand, LGBTI people, of course we should be able to, they should be able to do that. That is the special category that discrimination should be allowed on. So it's not even any kind of pretense of being an ideological argument between just what constraints can civil governments have on religious belief. Because they're, they're happily saying, no, no, we accept that there should be constraints. Just not about gay people. Religion should be able to do whatever they like about gay people. Yeah, well, I was reading an uh, article about that in regards to the US and the fallout from that uh, case in regards to the baker not wanting to make a uh, wedding cake for a gay couple. And now that uh, Brett Kavanaugh is on the bench there, we're going to be seeing more of that. We won't discuss it tonight, but it is of interest in regards to what's happening from the Ruddock Review. We're starting to see globally in certain elements of our conservative politics, which is disappointing. I think it was Guy Rundle in Crikey this week basically saying, look, uh, the worldwide lunge towards just outright fascism in, in the US, you've got the Proud Boys basically mm. acting as brad shirts and so forth. Oh. You know, we're going to get it here as well. Oh, yeah. Well, we already we already are, unfortunately. But well, yeah. you've got sort of the Brett Cottrell's mob, but they're not quite to the extent yet. Mm. Uh, and, and we've got, mm. we'll, we'll get back to hand and her white power stuff in a moment. Uh, We've got some stuff in Australia versus Humanity, specifically, and and interesting given the discussion that I had with Erin the other week about if they made a deal to get the refugees on Nauru off, but you had to agree to some of their other brutality towards future refugees, would that be a deal worth doing? The Libs are trying very hard to pressure Labor into passing legislation about further punishing or making sure that uh, nobody can ever come to Australia from New Zealand in, in ludicrously broad terms and in exchange for agreeing to the growth of New Zealand. So that, that, that's kind of devil's choice is being put to them. Meanwhile, Nara has kicked out the senior medical officer for the processing centre. Mm. And then we'll end with the two positive stories from this week, one being the Ellis defence has gone in New South Wales and abortion being decriminalised in Queensland. Mm. So big episode. Let's get back to the Liberals being incompetent boobs. Uh, starting with <laughs> the the, the Hanson thing was extraordinary. Like It was bad enough that they voted for it in the first oh, place. Yeah. Um, this this motion that was, it is okay to be white, and they want she wanted the Senate to note uh, the deplorable rise of anti-white racism, <sighs> and the Liberals voted for it. Um, according to them, though, a mistake, an administrative error. They they didn't, they thought it was, a, they thought that this motion from Pauline Hanson was opposing racism, because Pauline Hanson, famous anti-racist, mm. 
And so they thought they'd just vote for it. And then they tried, then they wanted to come back and, and do it over. Do over. Look, I can understand getting the wording wrong on certain things, but this is not one of those examples where you've misread it to mean the exact opposite. It was pretty clear what was going on. Did they not listen to any of the debate? Like, there were speeches being made. Well, I'm aware of that. And so this wasn't a surprise. This wasn't a shock. And But then the kicker that... The kicker the next day is that they're saying, oh, this was an administrative error. Did not one of the LNP senators who voted for this motion at one point question, hey, uh, what are we actually voting on? This this sounds a little bit too far. Did no one raise that objection? Because it's not sounding like they did. It's astonishing. How did they not realise it was oh. Pauline Hanson's motion? Mm. Like, that, that should have been enough. It's not like it was just mm. from... You know, back they didn't really know that they might be like, oh, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is a, a straightforward sort of thing. Mm. It was from Pauline Bloody Hanson. Like, they should have known what it was going to be, or at least looked at it twice. Yeah. Well, there was one particular Queensland senator. He basically said, well, you're on that side of the room, so I'm going to be on this side of the room to vote against whatever you're voting for, which basically meant he was siding with Pauline Hanson. He probably, he didn't read the motion, apparently. But, I mean, that would be their approach. Like, as, as a... Look, I've said this many times, and, and okay, look, first massive diversion for the night. Um, I seriously think that, that a, the vast majority of what motivates conservative people is hatred of lefties, not a particular affection for a particular set of policies, although, yeah. of course, from the, the economic conservatives you've got, mm. their, their fundamental thing is we don't want to pay tax. We want to have as much money for ourselves and fuck everyone else. And from the religious conservatives you've got, we want to have control over everybody else's um, morality and private lives. Uh, and we want to enforce that. And we want to be we want to have the doubts we have over our our, our internal doubts that we, we work mm. so hard to suppress. Mm. We, want, we want to have the state constantly reinforced that our religion is right and everybody should be living under it. So yeah, you've got those. Those are where they are on on um, philosophy. But it feels like where that's not clear to them, an enormous part of everything they do is: will this thing that I'm supporting piss off lefties, or is, is there a thing that's going to make lefties happy? Then I'm against it because I fundamentally I think that fundamentally both groups hate lefties for ironically opposing reasons. The selfish tax hating ones hate lefties because we're the ones who turn around and say, um, "Hang on." some of that privilege you've got is actually screwing over other people. You can't have what you've got at the extent you've got. It's built on oppressing other people and we should be bringing people back. You haven't earned your good fortune. You may have done something, but but fundamentally it feels like for the people who've got all the privilege, they haven't had to confront any challenges to it in their life up until the point that Lefty points out to them that, you know, they should be paying tax or they should probably try not to use language that is actually demeaning and harming other people that they haven't thought about. They're doing it thoughtlessly, but they but then they double it down. Well, that's the thing. The lefties are the killjoys. Mm. Well, this is part of the issue we're having because it's not about, oh, this certain demographic oh, is being oppressed. It's like, no, what you're calling oppression or what you're calling a war on your kind of people is essentially just you not getting your way all the time anymore. Exactly. There are two types of privileged people. When, the, when they get pointed out to them that the stuff they're doing is harmful and harms other people, then some people go, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. I'm sorry, I will try to amend my behaviour. And that those people become lefties. And the rest of them, then they, they harden their, their position. They're like, fuck you for, tell, for making, trying to make me feel guilty. Fuck you for trying to constrain me. How do you, I'm a free person. I can do what I like. Fuck you for trying to constrain me. Which is ironically yeah. the opposite of the religious people who are, they, they hate the lefties because they're trying to exert power and control and say, no, you can't do that. No, you can't be gay. No, you can't um, live, have sex outside marriage. No, you can't do all these other things like they want to exert we, control we believe us. we yes we believe this thing and therefore you must do this thing as well and the lefties are the what people coming back mm. to them saying no mm. i call bullshit on mm. your on the authority of your your um belief figure i don't mm. I, I don't i don't think you can i don't think your belief figure mm. exists i think you're making him mm. up um no i won't live under yours so the the religious right hate lefties because they're the people who who mm. actually call bullshit on and i reckon a lot of I think a significant proportion of the world's religious people do have little doubts in their head because they're having to take a lot on faith. And there are doubts in their head saying, you might be fooling yourselves. Like when I, you know, there was a period in my life where I was religious and I ultimately stopped being it because there was a huge part of, there's this voice in my head being like, yeah, but this is probably not actually true. This is probably bullshit. This is why I've always found Tony Abbott interesting in regards to certain interviews because when he is challenged on something, you see he just shuts down. He stops, he will pause for long periods of time because he can't, the cognitive dissonance going on in his head, he can't reconcile what's, what he believes of what's being said. It's fascinating to watch. Well, and I just think that fundamentally, 
the reason why you have people on the other side of the, the parliament who will simply turn around and they will be like, if the Greens are supporting something, then I know I'm going to hate it because I fundamentally hate lefties. I, mm. I just want to, yeah. anything they want, mm. um, I, I am opposed to. So fundamentally, you've got the, the libertarian type people whose attitude is, fuck you lefties for trying to tell me that I can't just do whatever the hell I like with that and, and not care about the consequences. And you've got the authoritarian righties being like, fuck you lefties for daring to call bullshit on my attempt to apply authoritarian control based on my, my um, religious belief system on you. I feel that mm. that's what informs the deep hatred. And, and you might say, well, lefties hate righties as well. But I don't think that that's what motivates us. I think all that motivates us is we just want... The government, and we want them to treat people nice. We want the people who are oppressed to be brought up to have better rights and to stop being oppressed. And that's pretty much where we're coming from. We don't. I don't really want to be poking my finger in the eye of believers. I just want them to stop impo- imposing their views mm. and uh, their rules on the rest of us. Mm. Now, I remember seeing something similar to that. Too, basically said uh, the, the left wants everyone to be happy and healthy and free to pursue their interests. The right just wants everyone working 60 hours a week. Uh, with no benefits, as long as they're white, everyone else is dead. That's an extreme view, but I feel there's some truth to that. It, it almost feels like the, the, the left is the middle position and hmm. the the right is like these two opposing groups who fundamentally don't agree. Like the libertarians and the libertarian economic people and the and the, fun, the authoritarian righty religious people really should be in exact opposition, but they are just combined mm, because they're no. both at extremes and they hate the left. And that's their, mm. they, it feels like that's what joins mm. them together, the hatred of lefties. Yeah, well, got, well, two points on that. One, a friend of mine who's a documentary maker gave me the best description of libertarians a while ago, which I'll just read here. Libertarians are all for freedom from government overreach. For themselves, then they want to impose their nonsense on everyone else, especially women. Yep, which I think is a perfect description of a certain senator. Just so we can avoid a defamation suit. Well, <laughs> well, well, let's let's go uh, to their next their next level of incompetence. So, so the mm-hmm. the fact that the libs mm. voted for this nonsense and then tried to pull it back, like mm. it felt a bit weird that they actually were open about pulling it back because they could have just doubled down and said, "No, we don't." You know, their their base wouldn't really. Object. I I think I think it was I think and a lot of the incompetence we're seeing this week I feel is because Wentworth yeah they've got to they've got to pull off this by election and they will do goddamn anything to win this one so they will it's like oh this will get us some votes let's go for this so they vote for this terrible thing holy crap we weren't expecting that we weren't expecting that backlash whoa backpedal backpedal it feels like the backpedal was bad politics from them like oh yeah they would have been better because what what we've made was been made really clear in the era of trump and and barnaby joyce the nats are trying to bring back but what's become apparent is that you can get away with a lot if you're a white privileged authoritarian man from the conservative side of politics by just doubling down. Well, that's been true for so long. Just double down. You don't back down. You don't when you're called on your bullshit. You just go, nah, garbage. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Which is why it's really it weakens them when they forget that and they actually go, oh shit, can we undo it? Because then then they can't argue anymore. So what? We didn't. We intended to do it. Now now they're like they sound both dodgy and incompetent, which mm. is like I th- maybe it's the the. If you're going for the authoritarian right um, look, the one thing you have to be is the blindly overconfident white man who don't, doesn't brook any doubt, any self-doubt at all. Yes, have the what? Is, what? What? Yeah, what's the saying? Have the confidence of a mediocre white man. Yeah, <laughs> and there are a few bodies in Australia with as many mediocre white men as the Parliamentary Liberal Party. Oh, funny! Funny you should mention that, actually because when um, Scott Morrison became Prime Minister and uh, Frydenberg was his deputy. I was watching the, their first press conference and the amount of people who were coming into the room I was watching with and said, was oh, that Peter Dutton next to Morrison? There are too many balding white dudes who look similar in the Liberal Party currently. They are interchangeable. Oh, but they, you know, there's such a breadth between Peter Dutton and Josh Frydenberg. Like, there's, there's, there's cartoonish supervillainy and there's, you know, general incompetent dickhead who's just shoved a bunch of uh, tax cuts through that Australia can't afford. Fr- Frydenberg, Frydenberg feels like a more banal kind of... Um, <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, it's hard to top Peter Dutton's cartoonish supervillain. Oh, jeez, yeah. Particularly now that, I mean, Scott Morrison was the previous cartoonish supervillain and he's now Prime Minister. It takes a special level of politician to make Scott Morrison seem comparatively benign. Mm, no, absolutely. Meanwhile, uh, while, while, we're being incompetent, while they're being incompetent, we've got um, Melissa Price, their new Environment Minister, at a, well, in fact, was it actually a dinner or did she just sort of came up to um, the former president of Kiribati who was uh, dining with a group in Canberra? She approached him um, and according to multiple sources speaking to the ABC, she said, I know why you're here. It is for the cash. 
For the Pacific, it is always about the cash. I have my checkbook here. How much do you want? She denied it, and and now she's saying that she just can't remember what she said. Up up there with years ago, uh, Peter Dutton joking about giving um, Pacific Islanders swimming lessons when the uh, oceans rose. Yeah. So it's nice to see that you know from a from a policy standpoint, the the coalition's been consistent with how they treat our island neighbours. <laughs> uh, she did before she backed down today and was saying, "Oh, I uh, don't really remember," which implies to me that these are recording somewhere. Um, uh, the Allen the Allen Bond defence. I can't recall. Yeah, well, before that, she was saying, well, <laughs> "This is her claim earlier." What I did say is that the Pacific is a very good friend and neighbour to Australia. And in fact, that is exactly what I said to President Tong last night. I'm very concerned that in some way President Tong has been offended in any way. I'm sorry you've been offended. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) And then then she came back and she put out a statement saying she was very disturbed by what is a completely inaccurate representation of the conversation. Mm. We had a very cordial and relaxed conversation. I spoke to former President Tong a short time ago and he thanked me for reaching out to him. I'm reminded reminded of the the Discworld novel... uh, pyramids where the pharaoh makes a decree and then the high priest says and now here is the interpreted wisdom of the pharaoh so here's what the ministers said and here's what the spindles say what she actually meant was uh, just extraordinary uh, but yeah all right uh, well, and then of course the classic yeah the peter dutton that, that was right the way Peter dutton was caught uh, joking about them being um, inundated which of course that, is you know hilarious given that we've had the ipcc report come out basically saying well look now the Best, best we can hope for is 1.5 degrees warming, and that's if we mm. make massive changes in the next, I think, eight years or 12 years, something ludicrous. Yeah. And, and and Trump's come out oh. and said, you can go fuck yourselves, and the liberal, liberals here have just said, they've done their classic one of, but we've got a very small proportion of the world's emissions overall. I mean, the fact that we're per capita highest and we can't persuade mm. anyone. Yeah, and, and, and it's going up, and it was buried on a day when no one was going to notice it. Yeah, yeah, they put it out on the Friday of the, before the grand final. Oh, yeah, the Friday before two grand finals. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just show, and they've been sitting on it. Oh, yeah, and they've been sitting on it for five months, which I'm, I'm actually surprised given Malcolm Turnbull's stance on climate change and how that was a thing that really did unhorse him within the, uh, within the coalition, why he hasn't been acting as a provocateur to kind of undermine with that report. But yeah, maybe he just doesn't want to get involved with that. I don't know. But um, no, that, that press conference where Scott Morrison announced that, oh, they're, they're, this doesn't, this, that report doesn't apply to Australia. No, Australia is apparently no longer part of the world. Yeah, no. No, no. We're, Good to know. We're, we're floating somewhere else. Does that mean that we'll be the first target from um, Trump's Space Force? Will we be the first enemy that the Space Force has to fight since we're not part of Earth anymore? It depends on how compliant we are. Uh. I mean, <laughs> the weird thing about the... Uh, so, with Wentworth, where, where we've suddenly decided that we'll follow Trump and only Trump, because Trump's the only... Uh, the Americans are the only ones who've done this, and they only did it under Trump because Trump's mad. Uh, the moving the Israel embassy to... Jerusalem instead of Tel Aviv, which of course oh, is a massive, like Jerusalem being a a city claimed by a bunch of uh, religions and countries. I have to admit some ignorances because I've ne- I've not really understood why uh, certain bodies have such a uh, drive for Jerusalem being acknowledged as the capital of Israel. I I don't I don't quite understand what what that drive is. It might be something to do with some of the weird. Uh, you know, apocalyptic, left-behind style, uh, whatever they call that sort of um, version of evangelical Christianity well, that thinks that certain things have to happen with Israel before the before Christ returns or something. Well, I'm glad you said it because I was thinking that, but I didn't want to say it first. <laughs> it's something like that, but, but it's also mm. it's also uh, it's also a giant you know, fu to the Palestinians mm. um, and fu to Muslims, yeah. and it's a, it's just a sense of I mean, obviously Israel wants Jerusalem to be its capital, and we have to be very careful to, to distinguish Israel from Jews because mm. uh, Morrison's out there today declaring that anyone who's opposed to uh, his idiotic brain fart of moving the uh, Australian embassy down to uh, Jerusalem from Tel Aviv. Uh, they must be anti-Semitic. But there are lots of Jews who are opposed to the policies of Israel. Israel does not represent Jews in general. Israel is a particular pretty mm. militarist right-wing version and of, yeah. of people who have... Because it's all um, you know, military services compulsory, and they chuck young people in Israel off into um, this brutal oppression of Palestinians, which of course the Palestinians do whatever they can to fight back, which is not very much, but it's enough for you know if you're a young Israeli person who hasn't really been paying attention to politics, and you suddenly you're suddenly out there in a military patrol um, where, as a result of the sort of things that Israel does, um, you're you know have hostile mobs and so forth. It must be pretty easy to 
to militarize and turn pretty right wing and pretty anti Palestine. All of the kids who mm. they put through that program, like of course they come back out. No, that's it's not a, it's not a shocking mindset. No, like that's what would happen anyway. It's it's mm. an, the point is it's an idiotic thing for Australia to suddenly take a step on, well out of step with the rest of the world. And, mm. and as we saw, it, like our nearest neighbour of Indonesia, country that Australia is usually pretty cowardly about standing up to. Like we, that's coming up to the anniversary of the Balibo um, murders, where the journalists were murdered because they were going to reveal what. Oh, no, that was. I think that was last week, actually. But yeah, the six journalists. Yeah. yeah, I think that was last week. Yeah, Australia basically covered for a bunch of brutality committed by Indonesia in relation to East Timor in particular, but um, in relation to West Papua as well. Uh, we've been our government has been completely uh, compliant and and willing to throw human rights over the, overboard to placate Jakarta regularly throughout the last 40, 50 years. Like, mm-hmm. but but. It turns out that the one one time when Indonesia uh, being angry with us because we've done something stupid, in this case Indonesia is extremely pissed off, according to the WhatsApp conversations that have leaked. What? Anyway, mm. Australia's, Indonesia is really pissed off with Australia, but this time when you know they're actually right and us doing this is a massive dick move that just makes the world more dangerous, yeah, more dangerous, and, and creates more conflict. This will be the one time that we stand up to Indonesia and say, no, yeah. Australia will do our, decide our own policy oh, on these Congratulations, things. we're doing it wrong. Just getting back to the Israel thing quickly, I did read an article today that apparently Scott Morrison's made this announcement against ASIO advice. Because it's an idiotic thing to do. There was no reason oh, to do yes, it. Yes, it absolutely I mean, is. Obviously, the reason to do it oh, is yeah. to try and win um, extra votes in Wentworth, which, presume, which apparently has a significant uh, Jewish population or which they, the Liberals are assuming is therefore a pro-Israeli right. government population, although mm. that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. An awful lot of the um, Liberal, by which I mean smaller Liberal lefty um, critics of Israel, are Jewish people. Like It's not mm. like the right-wing Israeli government are representative of the world's Jews. No. No. Anyway, so... They'll they'll do anything to try and, and win Wentworth on Saturday, and, and it's it's just been it's it's just been such a, such a glorious train wreck to watch this past week. Just they will th- they're throwing anything against the wall to see what'll stick. Oh well, did you see the bit where Karen Phelps is being hit with a smear campaign where they're where they're all these? Oh yes, I did. Well, emails suggest they've sent, they've been sending out emails saying that um, she has HIV and has pulled out of the race that she didn't um, that vote and that therefore voters should now divert their vote to David Sharma, the Liberal candidate. That is disgusting. That is dirty pool, and I am saddened that Australian politics has gotten to that low. That is that is a new low in my in my memory. You might remember um, worse uh, things in Australian politics, but that that's as bad as it gets. Oh, remember that? T- hang on, Brandon. Remember that time that Labor put out some messages pointing out that the Liberals were a threat to Medicare? <laughs> uh, Medi-scare. Like, it made Malcolm Turnbull very angry. Very angry it did. Like, you know, how dare they say that the Liberals who have been opposed to public health? As a privacy advocate that pissed me off that they had gotten my uh, mobile details and wouldn't manage to send me that message, sure. But uh, specifically targeting a candidate like that and lying is disgusting. Yeah. Now, are we going to give Scott Morrison a pass for his thing that sounded idiotic about science, but is not quite like... He he gave he gave a speech to the prime at the prime minister science awards and and the the bit at the end where it sounded like he's saying that science is about belief and magic. Um, what he said was, as a scientist, he was like trying to link James Cook with uh, J- Captain Kirk and uh, talking about James uh, Cook being such a fantastic scientist because of course uh, the the brutal colonialism and uh, the sort of racist nonsense that James Cook actually engaged in that uh, in fact isn't Morrison's. Morrison's electorate's named after Cook, isn't it? Mm, I'm pretty sure, yeah. yeah. Um, so the bit where people were pointing out the kind of uh, horrific nonsense that Cook actually engaged in uh, to, up to the point where uh, he managed to piss off the wrong people and got um, killed on a beach. Uh, although some liberal people apparently confused and think that he lived for another eight years and was there to uh, found Australia um, in 1788. But anyway, mm. the, the, the Nats are a bit, a bit hazy about this stuff. Uh, oh, because that was—that's the whole thing, of course. Because lefties point out, uh, they say, "Look, can we review some of the hagiography we've done of the white explorers and sort of review the bit where we sort of ignore the consequences of what they did?" Um, mm. And of course, that immediately makes conservatives go, "Oh, you lefties would like us to uh, be a bit more realistic about our figures." Well, fuck you all. We don't like change. Mm. We don't like being asked to reconsider our opinions about things, and we certainly don't like being asked to do it by you filthy scumbags. Anyway. Never correct a fool; they won't appreciate it. He said, uh, as a scientist, you go where we haven't been before. You dare to imagine the things that others haven't. 
I have no doubt that as you do that, you think it might be there, you suspect it might be, you turn it into a theory, then you follow the rule book, but it all begins with something you believe, something you think is possible. And if you look at all the great minds over time, those in Australia, those down through the generations around the world, that is what I think has always really encaptured the great magic of science, if you like. It starts with belief. It starts with passion. It could be innocuous, but yeah, that, just something about that just gives me a bad vibe. Well, give it, given Morrison's whole faith nonsense and in this faith context and the, the, you know the, what we're going through at the moment, an argument over whether to what extent uh, religious people should have new powers to discriminate against people because of their faith, mm. the bit where he's trying to emphasise that science is about belief and not evidence, that is problematic and it's not magic. There are, mm. it, messing these things together might work well for his rather distorted worldview that's kind of the, the, the fuzzy Christianity where you kind of pretend that so, you know, the great scientists have always been Christian and uh, that Christianity is really quite compatible with science when religion is profoundly opposed to that. And in fact, it's the... No, I, I, feel, I feel Galileo would disagree with that initial assessment you've given there. <laughs> exactly. They tried, but... They, well, no, because eventually he uh, he recanted the science to go with the religion, didn't he? Mm. Uh, and Darwin recanted the science on his deathbed. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's not like... But eventually the Catholic Church did realise that the earth goes around the sun. So, you know, they got there, they got there in the end. Mm. But I mean, I don't I don't like it when uh, religious people who fundamentally their bottom line answer to things is you have to take it on faith. There isn't evidence for this. You just have to take it on faith. That's my the faith is my evidence. Well, that is the opposite of science. Well, as as I as I find myself saying way too often these days, just because you believe something doesn't make it true. Okay, we need to. I need to make sure that this podcast isn't just Jeremy railing against religion. But fundamentally, <laughs> one of the other problems I have with it is the idea that God gave us the power to reason. Right? God gone. Mm. You can reason. Mm-hmm. This isn't a thing that, you know, that British people think that, that God created, gave us all of our powers. Okay, he gave mm-hmm. us power to, to reason to. And then, then they, they also believe that in relation to the fundamental question of whether or not God exists, they believe God just said, but this time you've got to guess. As to whether or not you're going to go to hell or whatever, you, you know, to, mm-hmm. you've just got to guess right. You know, and lots of people around the world will guess differently from you because there's all these different religions. Better pick mm. the right one. Good luck. Don't use, don't, you can't use your reasoning. <laughs> Anyway, that does take us onto the Reddit review. So mm-hmm. uh, we've got the more leaks, although uh, Morrison continues to refuse to release the full uh, review, and now saying, "Oh, look, enough of it's been leaked. You can just go on that." Mm. Like, I thought the full what? I thought the full report had actually been leaked by this point, but maybe I'm misremembering. Well, because it it's hard to confirm because then he's refusing to just mm. officially release it. Yeah. So obviously, it's bad. <laughs> As, as a whole, it must really be uh, a damaging document. Well, no, it's just that it's damaging before Wentworth because, mm. like, as soon as it's out, he's going to have to come out with some kind of from the leaks. Now, I can't quote them to you directly because it's bloody Fairfax, and Fairfax is behind a bloody paywall again. Um, but the recommendations basically set out clearly uh, that all of these other forms of discrimination by religious organisations should not be allowed, and that the federal government should override them. Oh dear. But then it says, in relation to LGBTI people, then then religion should be able to do that, provided they um, disclose it and so forth. So they're essentially just setting up. Look, we're not in, we're not taking an absolutist position about religious freedom. We recognise there should be limits mm-hmm. on it. It's just that there shouldn't be limits to protect gay people. Screw those guys, right? Like it could not be any clearer that this is not about because because mm-hmm. you you can't have a position that goes you can't discriminate on race, but you can discriminate on sexuality. What, what, why? If, if, your, if your argument is that a religion has a that, that overrides secular law, then you're just picking and choosing the ones that you like. There's no intellectual consistency. Hmm. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, that's the other thing. Is like if they pass any laws uh, giving religions the rights to override civil law, then okay, uh, how does how, what are you going to do about Sharia law? Mm. Well, because what they want is what they want is Christian privilege. But they can't argue for it, so they have to pretend it's about religious freedoms. But the problem with that for them is that they don't actually want religious freedoms for anyone else, just themselves. And there's no neat way to fudge those two things because they are clearly different. Well, you pick and pick, pick and choose. Well, pick and choose has been the essential uh, doctrine, hasn't it, for the last oh, God knows how long? Quite frankly. Yep. And that's the thing. It's, it feels like they haven't thought this through. It's just like, we want this thing, but there's a whole bunch of other consequences if you, t- if you pursue this path. 
Yeah, the ACL, who have been doing a spectacular job of losing everything recently. So yeah. good news at the end of the episode. Exactly. Uh, will also make them angry. But um, they tweeted out, Religious freedom reforms must guarantee freedoms for charities, organizations, businesses, and parents to ensure they can continue to practice their faith without discrimination or marginalization. Yeah, look, Martin Illers, I agree. We should be making sure that they have to act in a way that is without discrimination or marginalization. Weird that you seem to be defending the powers that they that you want them to have to do those things. But yeah, no, I agree with you. Discrimination and marginalization should be things that, that don't happen when you're engaged in any of those things. Yes. Charities, organizations, businesses and parents. Agree. I agree. Well well yeah. done for coming to the party. I, I don't know how that's consistent with what you're arguing yes. for the government to do, but I mean mm. great. Yes, we so we are all arguing that there shouldn't be discrimination. It's again a reminder that the people who normally scream the loudest about their right to free speech are people who basically say, "I want," are basically saying, "I want to be a jackass without any social consequence." Well, give credit to the Labor Party this week because they have managed to back the government into a corner, basically saying, "Well, so we'll we'll put in legislative protections to protect um, LBGTIQ students from not being discriminated against in regards to schools." And the government has given their agreement on that. Now, they haven't gone as far as saying there'll be protections for, t- for LBGTIQ teachers in those situations. And but, but And staff. But, hey, baby steps. At least we've protected the kids. No, not baby <laughs> steps. I think the problem with that is mm. that it then leaves us with a position of the state. It's got to, got to be done all at once. Like, mm. If you distinguish... Oh, I agree. Go, it's, got to be, it's got to be done all at once. But the legislation hasn't come through. If you can back the government in the corner on that one thing, we can get the rest of the way. Yeah. Uh. No, because, well, I don't know. I, I feel like there's a risk that that, that, that any, mm. that, that you shouldn't ever specify students. You should be saying um, the, no. the, the discrimination on People. all these things and you use students as the example. Yes, exactly. Because you make sure that any legislation that's mm. being proposed covers everyone. And the Greens have. Oh, yeah, it has to be, it has to be, a, yeah, it has to be a blanket, it has to be blanket legislation. But at least we've got the government publicly agreeing on this one facet of it. We can push further for it. Yes. Well, the Greens have put up a bill uh, and Labor have come back because of right-wing dickheads in the ALP like Jacinta Collins undermining the pressure to get that done. Mm. She came out and she told the Senate that it's necessary to respect the right of religious schools to be run in accordance with their beliefs and for parents to have their children educated in accordance with their religious convictions. And that's being put up as, of course, an opposition to them not being able to discriminate against LGBTI people. But they never mm. specifically say that's what they're doing. They just keep reframing discrimination against LGBTI people. No, because as... they, can't, they can't say what they want to say. Yeah. Because they know it'll be political suicide, as well it should be. And, and bloody Louise Pratt, who is the Shadow Assistant Minister, Minister for Equality, she told the Senate that an innate attribute should not be ground for discrimination, but also recognise the rights of parents to have children educated in accordance with their religious convictions. Mm. Why is that a right that a parent should have? Mm. Why should you get to tell to make sure that your child is indoctrinated with your religion? Mm. How is that consistent with the child's right to have you know a comprehensive education and come to religion of their own? Like, why why is it a parent's right to enforce a religion on their children? That's a ridiculous right. Mm. That's not a right. That's a desire, yes. perhaps, but I don't see why it should be a right. No, how is that? No, how is that a how is that a right? You're you know, you're, very, you're correct there with your phrasing of that. No, it should not be a right. It's a preference certainly for parents, but you know we want our children to be free thinkers. If they choose that, okay. Frankly, I'm opposed to them even having that. We shouldn't even have religious schools in the first place. So look, if you, if we all want to go down that path, let's all talk about mm-hmm. why the hell there should even be schools which are part of our education system which are indoctrinating children to one religion or another. Well, Darren Hinch brought forth a motion in the Senate, I think it was earlier this week as well, in regards to basically saying, well, look, if you want to exclude these people, if, you, if you're a school and you want to exclude these people from your school, then you should not get any um, government funding. Well, there's that. I mean, I don't think private education mm. system should have any... Pro- no, yeah, I, there is no logical argument for why they should have any money at all. You and I are in accordance on that one. I mean, I'm never going to argue that. But I, I would go... Hell, I would go one step further. I wouldn't even mm. make it about what money they can get. I would simply be like, no, no, we have one education system. We don't have a special one off for the privileged kids to go off and you know mm. network and all the rest of it and, a, and special special schools so that uh, particularly extreme religious people can make sure their children are indoctrinated with their faith. Mm. No, you have a comprehensive education system that all children are entitled to access. Uh, all kids are educated in it together, the rich and the poor, the smart and the dumb, the you know athletic and the bookish, the everyone, all together. That's what gives you a strong, healthy economy and gives everybody, if you want to have a meritocracy, that's what you mm. need. You need one-tier education system. Mm. 
to hell with worrying about whether we fund private schools. They should simply be abolished. Mm. Should I? The only there should be one education mm. system. Again, I agree. There is something I have to do the research on this. And there was an incident in regards to a schooling system, a schooling district, not having. Uh, the capacity to take the children in that district. So the private schools were required for the overflow, but that was a one-off thing. But I need to do more research about that in regards to that. But no, I agree. There should just be a one-tier system. Uh, the, the only, the only just the, the multi-tier system is profound. Is, whenever they're talking about that it'll make things better for a child, mm. it means it's going to make it worse for another child because you know, the children are all going to come out at the very end. At the very least, mm. like it does actually... Hmm. concretely make it worse for other children because resources no. are pulled out and, and they're not hmm. there. And and even where there's things like, you know, the, the private schools have scholarships. Well, that's great. You, you rip the smart kids out of the poor, uh, the poor school. Yeah. So they're not just under-resourced, but they're also, hmm. you know, they, they don't even have the smart kids there. Like, yeah. it, is not a, it is not a fair... Uh, no. system better doesn't make it better for everyone but but separate to that all the kids are in competition when they graduate anyway for mm. university spots and jobs mm. so like if you give a privilege to one kid it, it, at that fundamental level i mean obviously we can't stop that there are richer kids who get you know whose parents can afford better things for them better computers or whatever like you know there's a level there's only so much when i'm not suggesting that we have complete communism where everybody's made sure that they can't you know, everybody has to get exactly the same of everything the whole way through their lives. But in terms of education, the fundamental nine-to-five compulsory education system, bloody oath that should be the same thing for everyone. Mm. Let's quickly go, Australia versus Humanity. So uh, Nauru has kicked out Australia's uh, most senior doctor in the centre, uh, which is kind of what we'd expect. But the big thing to talk mm. about quickly in Australia versus Humanity um, is this idea that, that uh, the there's a bunch of backbenchers on the coalition side who are trying to put some pressure on the um, executive to try and do something about the children in detention. Um, hmm. They're still trying to make sure they blame it on Labor and saying it's Labor who put them there. Yeah, look, I want to find the LNP playbook and tear out the first page that clearly says blame Labor for everything. I'd like <laughs> to tear out the bit which claims that dragging boats back to sea is somehow saving lives at sea. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so so what they're coming back with is a proposal that uh, we might, that maybe we will agree to send the children to... Uh, New Zealand. Maybe we'll agree to New Zealand mm. taking over for us and uh, doing what we should do, but uh, mm. can't be stuffed because we are, under the Liberals, a terrible, terrible country. But to do it, Labor has to vote for a government bill massively expanding their ability to stop anyone ever coming to Australia. Mm. And I'm worried that given Labor's history on this policy point, which has now been going on for over 17 years... Uh, that they will agree to that. Now, I hope I'm wrong, but uh, precedent would uh, make me believe that they would agree to that. Not that it's worth anything. Their argument is that if you let them come to Australia from New Zealand, uh, then you are encouraging them to come. But dickheads, they're in- if they get to New Zealand, that's that's what they want. They don't want to then go to Australia. Like... Mm. They just wanted to get somewhere where they weren't being tortured. New Zealand is a nice hell. I yeah. want to go to New Zealand at the moment. They, 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 yeah, New Zealand's New Zealand's being much more progressive than we are in so many ways. Yeah. why exactly are the Conservatives mm. thinking that that anyone here needs mm. to come to Australia? And there would be no benefit for them to come here from New Zealand anyway, because we already have legislative instruments in place where if a person comes from New Zealand, they cannot get uh, access to our social welfare system. Yeah, we've already fucked over the New Zealanders. And also, yeah. it's an idiotic thing, because if the th- worry is that, that something might change in the future, well, there's nothing that this parliament can do that will bind a future parliament anyway. Mm. Like, if Labor voted for this, then they could change it down the track. I mean, yes, I know- it's not like, now and in perpetuity, this will be a thing. Yeah. yeah. There is nothing that this parliament can do to bind a future parliament. Mm. Unless, 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 and I very much doubt it, this, this current government is suggesting that Labor votes for this as a constitutional amendment. Which they're not. And, uh, which I, yeah, anyway, which they're not. Anyway, the, the public would have to vote for it as a constitutional amendment, not Labor. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it would not happen in that regard. It's a thing of trying to just stick it to Labor and make Labor own it. But it's mm. just, I don't understand how they can argue logically that they have to do this. If they recognise that it's wrong what they're doing to the children on Nauru, uh, Russell Broadbent, uh, Victorian Liberal backbencher, today made a personal appeal to Bill Shorten to back the government legislation stopping any asylum seekers resettled in New Zealand coming to Australia. Why would they? What are they afraid? What are they afraid of? And also, the, of course, the government hasn't even put their proposal on the paper f- for debate anyway. Mm. But the, the point is that it might actually yeah. harm... It'll, mm-hmm. it'll fuck up our relationship with New Zealand more, more than anything else. It will, yeah. It will cause problems down the line, certainly. But New Zealand is the only country at this point 
in the in the local area who's prepared to take these people on, which needs an answer. Like the deal with America is basically fallen through; it's not happening. Well, they took a couple. They took they took uh, maybe a hundred, I think it was. Uh, you want to talk a couple? Um, Cambodia took two, I think it was. I think it was actually only two people. And how many millions were spent on that project? Five hundred million. Well, that was something ridiculous. Mm. The, isn't? But fundamentally, this is why the whole deterrence thing makes no fucking sense. Mm. Because if you're fleeing a, mm. p- a p- country that is, you know, seriously persecuting you, mm. then you will get on a boat to somewhere, to anywhere where that's not likely to happen. Yeah. Even even Nauru, people still, like, Nauru was breaking, like, the whole idea of Nauru was to be worse than the places, worse than the places that people are fleeing from. Mm. Well, mission, mission goddamn accomplished there, huh? Well, well except that... Um, they can't have it both ways. Like, if they're going to stop torturing people on Nauru by the ones they sent to the US or, the, or they're letting them go to New Zealand, if their argument is that it needs to be a deterrent, then anything other than brutally torturing them worse than the countries that they fled from isn't going to work. Mm. And, and once you've recognised that that isn't a sensible thing to do, which was the whole why we should have never been trying for deterrence in the first place, then the whole thing falls apart and... Uh, I mean, they're trying for the other part, which is just trying to physically block them from coming through. But if their whole their whole line has been, well, we have to maintain this forever, otherwise people will keep trying. Mm. Well, then New Zealand has that same effect. Mm. Like, I don't want to discourage them from doing it because the problem is that, you, like, it's it's omelette. You can't just be torturing people forever to send a message to the world that we are worse than the worst places in the world. Mm. Why would you even want to come here? Yeah. And like the re- the refugees on Nauru have been really clear; they don't want to come here anymore. Mm. Like, please, we just want to get out of here. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to go to Australia. And and why would they? No, exactly. We've, we've been demonstrating that we are a terrible country. Mm. I don't want to be here under this. I certainly don't want to be, you know, saluting the flag or uh, this. This country doesn't deserve that shit. Mm. While while this is the way we we this is what we base our privilege on. Mm. Anyway, I hope Labor tell you know calls their bluff. I mean, I'd like to see. The refugees off narrow, but I don't like the problem is every time you cave to a bully, it just encourages them to try it again. Mm. And you know, who are they going to harm next? Oh, yes, let's end on two positive things. So, the Ellis defense, which was the one where uh, in 2006, an altar boy who had sued the Catholic Church over, over abuse lost because the Catholic Church was able to say, We don't have anything, it's all in that trust, and you can't get it out of the trust. Mm. So, New South Wales now passed legislation to uh, stop the churches from doing that. Mm, that's good. Mm. I hadn't actually heard about that one, so yeah, that is some good news. Apparently on Wednesday night. Yeah. Of course, the religions were only able to do that because of the massive rort that those uh, trusts, uh, and we really need to be winding those in, but of course there's no political will to do it because all the politicians have bloody family trusts. Well, so it's it's a cornerstone of legislation, uh, of, of law, at least in our, in our common law system, for uh, several hundred years at this point. They're dug in like a tick. You're going to have a very hard time getting them out. We still have to because they are, they've gone so far from what they were designed to. I mean, yes, of course. Oh, oh no, I completely agree. But it's, it's, going, to be a, it's going to be a fight. Then it, well, you, could, you could make t- tougher rules about them, though. Mm, oh, no, absolutely. absolutely. But start, starting with, you can, make, you can remove the ability of just having them for no reason. They should have, they should mm. have to have a, um, you know, you, obviously a trust. If a parent dies and uh, they need to put mm. money in trust for a child until they're of age or something, that sort of thing. Okay, those sorts mm. of trusts. But the other trusts, mm. like they should have to, they, bloody hell, there should be a Royal Commission into, the, into trusts determine what on earth they're being used for and, and whether the purposes are legitimate because they're basically there for mm. tax dodgers. Or in the case mm, of the church, to avoid being held accountable for your uh, for any of your terrible actions. Well, I've done enough family law cases as well where that where a family trust has been used as a way to avoid paying a uh, former spouse their entitlements under a property settlement. Yeah, it's just a way of hiding yeah. assets. Yeah, it's a way of hiding assets, absolutely. And there needs to be strong examination into them and uh, cracking down and improper use of them. A Royal Commission into Family Trusts. Yeah, tax minimisation is great, but tax avoidance is not. And look, if we had a less complicated taxation system... I don't think tax minimisation is great either. Well, no, but it's better It's better than the alternative. What, paying everyone tax? Should pay their, everyone, should pay, everyone should pay their fair share rather than not paying it at all. Yes. Of course, then you've got people You've got people who, are, who disagree on what their fair share should be. I, I do love the way that the business mindset works of like... Um, here is my business car. It is entirely mine in every real sense. You can, uh, you, I, I 
treated as my own property. Nobody can tell me what to do with it. It is entirely mine. But when the tax office comes around, oh yeah, no, it's a uh, it's a business asset, yeah. and uh, you know it should be treated yeah. like it's such a it's such a rotten. Mm. Anyway, let's go back to positive things. We've got mm. the Ellis defence guy in New South Wales, mm. and we've got abortion decriminalised in Queensland this week. So, mm. thank God for that. Yes. Yeah, and it's a fairly good piece of legislation in regards to what it covers. Uh, it's very good, uh, comprehensive prote- comprehensive protections and allowances and also the exclusion zones, which um, are good. It's fantastic. It's fa- thank- uh, about mm. time. Oh, it's look, it's long overdue. It's taken a long time to get here, but hey, it's here. That's that's great. And look, I'm not motivated by spite towards the people on the other side of politics to me, but I, mm. I am enjoying that the ACL seems to be losing everything. <laughs> and that's something- Well, it had to, had to happen eventually. They well, they lost the marriage equality thing. They're they're doing badly yeah. with the Rudder review. Oh my god! Now this might undo everything I just said by us being motivated by the policies and not of uh, opposition to the the people on the mm. other side. The, the ACL have done so much harm and been so spiteful That's as a specific spite. yeah. particular organisation yeah. that that I can enjoy their failures, particularly because each of their failures is a a failure to harm the rest of us. So that's great. But um, Martin Nilly's little whinge on uh, Tuesday this week mm. uh, was great. Um, hell, I'm, I'll just start reading it. Uh, so Martin Nilly's the uh, head of uh, the ACL after Lyle Shelton went off and joined uh, Corey Bernardi's mob of cranks. Uh, here's Martin having a whinge. So he's having a whinge at them because he thinks that the, the his fellow Christian fundamentalists aren't standing up strongly enough. They, they want people to like them, uh, even though what they should be doing is being immune to the filthy secularists, uh, secularists out there. And, like, he, he tries to be all over the place. He says, like, oh, uh, you know, we don't, we don't even... We already have the right to, do the, to, to expel kids for being gay, but we're not even, we don't even want it. But it's very important that we can. He's all over the place. Um, <clears throat> in fact, he's like, you know, religious schools need the protections of the existing law. Not doesn't mean that they'll expel a student simply because they're gay, but it does mean that they are better able to expel a student for actual misconduct especially if they happen to be gay. So, like, he's clearly all about the anti-gay stuff. But here we go. <clears throat> so he's responding to the bit where uh, even the Prime Minister's come back and said, no, no, we, we shouldn't be able to expel gay kids. Um, and he's like, uh, to my dismay, even our Prime Minister followed the media, even our Prime Minister, even our fundamentalist ACL-supporting Prime Minister followed the media beat-up with hasty promises to overturn the law. Many have been very quick to welcome the move. The immediate resp- impulse of so many was to do something which never works, seem as reasonable as possible. It's as if, as soon as we find ourselves having to stand on a position that our critics will lambast us for, we just don't have the ticker to bear the embarrassment of it. Can we not get used to the fact that they do not think we are reasonable? Can we not get used to being pariahs? Yes, there are many who can and have taken a stand, but not enough! If we don't get more thoroughly used to it very quickly, then we will never have the courage to stand firm. We won't even be able to stand up for our own freedom, as has already been demonstrated. (sighs) And he's like, and then he has a, ch- a whinge at the end. He's like, but at least we don't look too unreasonable, right? I mean, we're not super unpopular, are we? That's super in bold and italics. I do fear that too many of us are coming at this from the wrong state of mind. Um, yeah. So fundamentally, he's oh. really trying to get them to be like, don't care what anybody thinks. Just because people call you out for being ludicrous cranks who are asking for nasty things, that's when Jesus wants you to stand what? firm. <laughs> Where was this yourself. Was this an article or, or this is this is blog? He has a has a blog like on the ACL website. Well, it's the ACL website. Yeah, they, they put up a thing like each week where they where, right. they, where he has a whinge about various right. things. Right. Yeah. I just I just can't I just can't help but think of that classic Simpsons meme where Principal Skinner is sitting there going, "Am I out of touch? No, it's the kids <laughs> yes. that are wrong." I mean, he starts it here with, um, like he's talking about his uh, his fundamentalists is because like, he really wants them to just be cap- comfortable with everybody hating them. He says sometimes in my naivety, I think that we may have finally gotten comfortable with being ridiculous. In truth, my expectations are not so high given the reality of our situation. Many in the political and media classes think we are worse than ridiculous. Most think we are somewhere on the spectrum between lunacy and evil. Like he's mm. listening. He is he's perceiving that we are accurately pers- noting that he is between lunacy and evil. Yes. Mm. Just so confident in himself that that it doesn't matter that the rest of the world must be wrong because he's got a little voice in his head. Oh my God! Scott Morrison came out the other day and was saying that he has a little that God speaks to him at four in the morning and tells him stuff. Um, what? <laughs> yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. I promise to hear voices in the middle of the night, and that should make us feel happy mm. and reassured. So, oh dear. Anyway, oh dear. Look, take take it as uh, you know. It's not just it's not just me being like you know. It feels like the ACL are losing everything at the moment. They're feeling it. 
they're really feeling that they are doing really badly. Well, that's that's good. Considering how often we expect Labor to screw up when they don't have to do anything aside from sit on their hands and do nothing, it is nice that the yeah. shoe was on the other foot this week and the conservative side of politics are just doing a whole, whole bunch and, of own and goals. Yeah, and, and some substantive changes. They've lost uh, to squashing women's right to choose mm. in Queensland and they've uh, lost in mm. uh, New South Wales being able to hide their assets mm. in trusts to mm. avoid uh, being caught out mm. for abuse. Yeah. Been a bad week mm. for evil fundamentalists. Now, just just quickly, in regards to Wentworth, if they lose, will that trigger a general election? Well, no, because hasn't Karen Phelps promised to support the current government? Has she? I don't know. I can't remember. Oh, no, no, she did. Oh, she, she did? did. Oh, okay. I know she flip-flopped on the preference issue a couple of weeks back, but... Um... Well, she changed. She she flipped. She flipped, She true. didn't flop back again. She just she flipped in one know. direction. Oh, she, okay. She went. She went from Labor to the Libs, and uh, but yeah, the Liberals were then running her as a flip flopper because she'd come to support them. Mm. And as I, we did the the, the sideshow Bob um, quote. We played it last week because it's a bit of like, yes, I mean it's a courageous ad campaign of look how terrible this person is. They turned around and they decided to support us. <laughs> <laughs> look, to be fair, that is a good point. Uh, that is a massive failure of yeah, judgment. Yes, it is. Mm. Oh dear. All right, th- uh. Brandon. Thank you for coming back. Thanks for having uh, me. Lovely having you back. And uh, we will look forward to your stuck in my craw next week. Sure. Thank you, everybody, for coming back. Next Friday, I will be recording uh, with Kristen again. And we're going to try and set up the live uh, transcript providing and being able to take questions and things. But there'll be some more on the Twitter feed about that before Friday. Please, if you have thoughts and comments and if you want to engage with us, uh, at Well May We Say on Twitter is probably the best way of doing that. We very much enjoy engaging with you uh, and a good place to your feedback, suggestions, uh, comments about things that we've uh, come out with, and we certainly encourage you to do that. Also, thank you so much to the Patreon subscribers. We will certainly appreciate uh, that support and more uh, coming going forward, uh, particularly if we do decide to go down the route of having this sort of more engagement using this uh, technology platform that has has some costs associated with it. But separately to that, it's uh, very much appreciated because that's how our podcast keeps going. So if you've been enjoying it and you'd like to have us keep going indefinitely, uh, the Patreon link is on the website. It's also going to be in the show notes. And if you can help us keep going, that would be very much appreciated. Otherwise, thank you, Alex Lum, for the artwork. Thank you, Robin Gray, for the music. Thank you, Brandon, again. And we'll see you all next week. Goodbye. See ya.